morning. Welcome to the Sunday service of FCC. Last Sunday, we started on a new sermon series called Faithfully? So today, if you came to church, whether you are seeking for answers or whether you have questions, uh, let us just calm down our hearts and then prepare our hearts so that we may listen to the word of God together. For the now, let us just prepare our hearts with a call to worship. Come, walk in green pastures. We, we follow, follow the, the shepherd. shepherd. Come, lie down in green pastures. We, we trust the shepherd. Come, dine at the table of abundance. We, we are, are fed by, by the shepherd. Come, dwell in God's house. We, we live in the shepherd's care. Loving shepherd, you know our names. You care for us. When we face darkness and death, walk beside us. When we hunger for your love, fill us with your presence. When we are fearful, feed us at your table. May, May we, we dwell in the house of goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. Amen. Amen. Now let us join the worship team for a time of worshipping together. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God This 
Yes, you set the captives free As I stand and sing You're breaking the chains of me So one is uh, one of our um, uh, members, uh, Molly, and her ongoing health concerns, and Miyak will give uh, more details later. And also the climate crisis, uh, in light of recent news of wildfires in Hawaii, in Canada, in Italy, uh, and many other um, countries. So um, the, the, the UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, said, the era of global warming has ended. The era of global boiling has arrived. So as we confess our sin of poor stewardship of the earth, may God change our hearts and move us towards action, even if it's just a small change at a time. So let us pray. Loving God, we pray for Molly, a dear member of our community and your beautiful bride. We pray for her comfort as she rests at the hospital, Strengthen her faith during this time of trial. Creator God, we confess that all too often we have ignored and denied your lordship of the land entrusted to us by assuming the right to do with it as we please, by taking more from it than we have returned to it. 
by taking for granted its productivity, by denying justice to many who have labored on the land, by wanting food for less than it costs to produce. We confess that material values rather than kingdom realities have often determined our relationships. We have indulged our appetites with little consideration for others. We have been more interested in our neighbor's land than in our neighbor. We have gone to war over economic resources. We have ignored the true costs of our material possessions, food consumption, and standard of living. Lord of the church, have mercy on us and grant us peace with you and with each other in Christ. Amen. After the pride, after the fall, the hands of mercy opened wide. After the rain, after the flood, you set your promise in the sky. The God who was and is to
has been there sin for me and you the Good morning and welcome to FCC. So nice to see all of you here and so wonderful to be able to worship together, isn't it? So this morning, before we go into the sermon time, I'm going to invite you to get onto menti.com, as many of you know, um, but if you're new here, um, we use menti as a way for us to interact during sermon time. I have a couple of questions uh, along the way in the sermon, which I would love to hear your own insights and experience too. And so if you could either scan the QR code or you could take the short link, uh, fcc.li slash menti, and it will bring you to our slides uh, for today. And then you'll be able to see the questions as well later on. Okay. So will you pray with me as we begin? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, God, earth maker, pain bearer, life giver, who made us in your very own image and proclaimed us good. Amen. So, today, 
we're going to tackle okay, a, a, quite a, a big topic. It's called original sin. And have you heard of the concept of original sin? I mean, like those of you who have kind of been in church for a while, maybe. It's a phrase that's talked about in church a lot. And I wonder what you know and think of it. And I ask because this doctrine actually shapes the way we see God and we see ourselves and how we see ourselves. It also shapes the way that we understand Scripture and how we see other people. So let me start out with this question, okay? What is original sin? I mean, what have you heard about it? What do you know about it? You know, yeah, just kind of put it all out there. It's okay, it doesn't have to be accurate. I will explain to you what it is later in case, you know, you don't get it. But yeah, oh, Adam and Eve, very good. Original, right? Where does it come from, right? <laughs> Great, fantastic. Man's fall, right? It's about the fall of human beings, right? The fall, as often we talk about it, wrongdoings, <laughs> apple. <laughs> Interestingly, the Bible never actually mentions an apple, uh. Uh, if you don't know. Uh. <laughs> but we all somehow have the image of an apple, right? It's amazing. Not orange, not a durian. Yeah. <laughs> Disobedience, right? Temptation. Total depravity. Very good. Wow, excellent. Okay, later we will talk a little bit about that. Disobedience is quite big, right? Temptation, Adam and Eve, very big. Serpent, yes. Contamination, yes. Separation from God, yes. Absolutely. Augustine, wow, you're very good. <laughs> you all know everything already, okay lah. <laughs> very good. Origin of sin, intrinsically flawed. Very good. A broken world, human nature. Mm -hmm. Brokenness inflicted. Mm. Very good. Interesting. Shame. How sin entered the world. Excellent. So, so, so actually, all of you... Now, many of you do actually have some kind of concept around it, right? Somehow it's something to do with the fall, to do with uh, separation from God. Um, somehow Adam and Eve play a role. Um, maybe the apple, I don't know. Disobedience, temptation, all that kind of image comes to mind when you talk about original sin, right? So I wanted to share with you a little bit more about it so that we get a clearer idea and understanding about it so that it's helpful to us, all right? Helpful to our growth as Christians, Okay. So this idea was put forth by Augustine. So the one who put Augustine, you're right, ping pong, okay? And it was in the 5th century. Interestingly, this was actually, the word original sin never ever was mentioned in the Bible, right? But Augustine basically taught that human beings were born into sin because of Adam and Eve. Yay, y'all got another one right, right? And we are alienated from God from the very first day that we are born, right? We usually think of sin as a matter of personal responsibility and fault. Yet, original sin wasn't really something we did at all. None of us. It was actually something that was passed down to us from Adam and Eve. That was the concept, right? So original sin is the idea that from the very first day we are born, we are already separated, alienated from God because of Adam, not because of our sin. And human beings are born into a state of sinfulness and we inherit a sinful nature genetically. It's genetic, huh? When the moment you are born, that's it, okay? So some churches teach that because of original sins, human beings are totally depraved, right? Total depravity. And this means that absolutely every part of a person has been corrupted by sin. 
the mind, your heart, your will, your affections, your desires, critical thinking, everything. Right? And there's no way for a person to know or to love God without the help of the Holy Spirit. So, this idea of original sin actually permeates so much of our theology and the way that we live as Christians, the way that we do church, it influences the way that we think about God and the ways that we think about ourselves. So let me ask you, how does the idea of original sin shape the way that you think about God and yourself? Right? If you were born according to original sin, if you were born into sin, you're alienated from God, how does this idea actually shape the way you think about God and yourself? What do you think of God when you, when you think about this? When you think about how it all comes from Adam and Eve, and somehow we inherit a sinful nature genetically. And from the very first day we are born, somehow we are already separate from God. What does it make you think about God and yourself? Separation, yes. That means that sense of separation is very great, right? That God is forgiving and merciful, yes, because, well, I mean, it, it, even with that kind of separation, somehow God brings us back. God is incredibly kind and has been working to reconcile us to God's self, yes. But yes, it makes God unapproachable, right? Can you imagine, like, if God was a parent? Imagine from the first day you were born, you're saying that this is actually how you are seen. What do you think about God then, right? Shameful and fundamentally broken, Yes, and that's what a lot of people feel. The fear of sinning more. Yep. There's also the concept of repentance, redemption, that God loves me even though I'm a terrible being, right? And we hear that often, right? Even in Amazing Grace, the hymn, that, what, that how God saved a wretch like me, right? It's, it's, we're also terrible. We're dependent on God's grace and mercy, absolutely, right? I'm inclined to sin, right? Not good enough. God is punisher. That's the image that we have. God is still merciful and gracious despite us being flawed by default. It's not helpful, dot, dot, dot. And I'm sure there's an essay eh, that comes along with it. Yes, it's, I will tell you why it's not helpful in a while, but let's think a little bit about that, all right? Our mind about history of the world was erased when we are born, okay? Despite my sin, God loves me, and that is absolutely true. God is holy, God is love. The freedom and choice, the need for the redemptive act fulfilled by Christ to restore relationship with God. I am inherently flawed, and I need Jesus to be closer to God's nature, right? There's an entry barrier to the kingdom of God. God is distant, stern judge. We need to be constantly rep repenting. We're given free will, the start of reconciliation. Many, many things, right? Absolutely. That we are helpless, that God doesn't leave us regardless. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing how original sin actually shapes the way you think about God and yourself. So, a lot of the concepts that you all talked about, I want to summarize for you. Right? What's the effects of this teaching? So, it makes us think that from the day we were born, can you imagine, like, to me, it's almost like God almost can't bear to look at us because we are guilty and sinful, broken, flawed. It makes us think of a God who is very legalistic and judgmental. Jeremy Duncan says that the concept of original sin makes us think of ourselves in ways that downplays the significance of our lives and our contribution to God's story. 
God has placed us in the world to steward creation, like what Wendy was praying about today. We are meant to steward creation, to heal and repair the world, to help build it into something creative and beautiful alongside God. But when we start with this assumption that we are born sinful, already guilty, already rejected by God, until somehow amends are made, we end up devaluing our ability to effect good in the world. It becomes unbalanced. Okay? So where does this concept of original sin come from, and is it accurate? Important, right? I mean, if you look a little bit at its origin, and if it's accurate, then yalla, maybe it's true. So the framework for original sin actually comes from a bad interpretation of a bad translation of just one verse in Romans. A bad interpretation of a bad translation of just one verse in Romans and we got original sin in its full glory. Isn't that amazing? Unfortunately, this bad interpretation of a bad translation has had all kinds of implications for the way that we think about ourselves and God. I want to show you the verse that it comes from. It's from Romans 5, verse 12. It says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all, because all have sinned. Okay, makes sense, right? Well, we know it came from Augustine. And Augustine was a brilliant theologian. But he couldn't read Greek well. And he was reading a Latin translation of Romans 5 that mistranslated this verse. And what we know is that Augustine's Latin translation changed the original verse this way. The original is because all sinned, and the mistranslation is in him all sinned. You see, in the original verse, there's no in him. right? And that's the mistranslation that Augustine was reading. And that's how the idea that we are all born into a state of sin and alienation from God because of Adam, him, came from. That's where it came from. But you know, we don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We can have a better understanding of original sin that balances better with how God actually sees us. The idea that sin entered the world through Adam and we are born into this world, therefore we sin and we bear the consequence for sin, is a good one. It is true. And I think that's what Paul intended to say in Romans 5 verse 12. That's actually essentially the orthodox idea of ancestral sin. And that's how the Eastern Church always read this verse. Remember last week I shared with you about the Eastern theological perspective and the Western theological perspective? You see, in our history, the Christian Church had a big split in 1054, many, many years ago, right? The Western side, when we talk about the Western perspective, it generally covers the Roman Catholic and then later on the Protestant Reformation movement, that kind of perspective, right? While the Eastern side covers mostly the Eastern Orthodox Church. And there's actually a lot that we can learn from these two different streams of thinking. You see, the Eastern Church used Greek, so they didn't have to deal with a Latin translation like Augustine. They have this concept called ancestral sin, whereby we imitate Adam by sinning and we fall short in the same way. So what Paul says is right. So death spread to all because all sinned. So let me quickly show you these two different streams of thinking, right? The foundational parts of it, right? So you can understand. 
So the Western theological perspective, which is actually something that we are more used to, more familiar with, is that humans were created in this complete perfect state, right? And God's original will is to retain this perfection. And humans were created in the image of God. That means that we also have the ability to choose, to self-determine. And Adam and Eve, in choosing to um, eat the fruit, they use this power to turn from God. And this is the act that we refer to the Christian tradition as the fall, okay? as some of you said earlier, right? So what are the effects of the fall? It's a loss of self-determination, right? We are free now only to sin, and sin is all the way down. That's why we talk about total depravity. We only can sin. We can't do anything else. And this inheritance of guilt, of this original sin, to all is genetically passed down. Okay? So this is the, the Western perspective, right? The Eastern theological perspective, interestingly, is slightly different. They think that humans were created originally innocent, but not complete. And there's this dynamic nature that is destined to progress in communion with God, a developing relationship, ongoing story of the relationship between God and human beings. And this commitment is embodied in a distinction made between the image of God and the likeness of God. That they are two different things. And what these two different things are is that the image of God means that we were made in God's image. We have this universal human potential for life in God. All of us, all of us carry God's image in us. While the likeness of God is the ongoing process, right? the ongoing relationship, the ongoing growth. In some circles, we call it sanctification, right? It's how we become more and more like God, how we, we grow to become more and more like God, more deeply identified, more connected with God. And that's what we do in participating in God's life and God's grace. So humans have some freedom, right, to engage in this communion with God, to participate in relationship with God. So in the Eastern tradition, the fall is understood in a different way than the Western one, right? So the result, the fall is the result of human preference to compete with God as God's equal instead of participating in divine gifts. And so the effects of the fall, for the Eastern side, they reject the idea of human genetic inheritance of the guilt of the fall in fact, they say we are guilty when we imitate Adam's sin. And so the primary result of the fall was the introduction of death and corruption into human life, the subsequent dominion over humanity. And interestingly, the emphasis here on the thought around it is not on guilt, but on illness or sickness and how we need to be healed, how we need to be restored. So with the help of the Eastern and Western perspectives, can we have a more helpful understanding of original sin? So this is what I offer to you. And maybe something that you can think about. Is this something that God is speaking to you about? About God's heart? Firstly, we are not inherently sinful. Just because we inherited a sinful nature genetically, Sin entered the world through Adam, yes. We are born into this world that is broken, and therefore we do sin, and we do bear the consequence of our sins, right? To me, I have a, a, a 
theology that's closer to the Eastern church idea of ancestral sin. We are born into this broken world. We imitate Adam and the people around us by sinning, and we fall short in the same way. So, it's important, right? Because it means that we are responsible when we sin and commit wrongdoing. It's not just something that, oh no, it happened to me, right? But it's also something that we can be accountable for and to take responsibility for because it's based on behaviour, our behaviour, and not on some inherent genetic identity. And I think this influences the way we read scripture. You see, if you read the whole Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, the prophets, and then later on Jesus in the Gospels, they were constantly encouraging us to do better, to take care of those who are unfortunate, to take care of those around us who were treated unjustly by the social and political systems at the time. Especially when these systems and structures around us, even today, influence us to think and act in selfish and greedy ways. So with this perspective, we discover a God who is not legalistically holding Adam's sin against us, but one who is welcoming us to evaluate, to understand our own choices and the predicament in our world, and then to move towards something better with the help of God's Spirit. Richard Ross said, in one way, the doctrine of original sin was good and helpful in that it taught us not to be surprised at the frailty and the woundedness that we all carry. Just as goodness is inherent and shared, so it seems with evil. And this is in fact a very merciful teaching. Knowledge of our shared wound ought to help us to be forgiving and compassionate with ourselves and one another. He says, I truly believe that Augustine meant the idea of original sin to be a compassionate one. Yet, historically, the teaching of original sin started us off on the wrong foot with a no instead of a yes, with mistrust instead of trust. We have spent centuries trying to solve the problem that we are told is at the heart of our humanity. But when we start with a problem, we tend never to get beyond that very mindset. So Raw helps turn our mindset around by showing us that what had happened in the Garden of Eden was more about original shame than original sin. Remember in a recent sermon, Gary said, all these stories, whether it's in the parables uh, in Luke 15, that day he was preaching on Luke 15, all the creation story and the fall, they don't actually reveal a sin, separation, salvation model. They reveal a shame, estrangement, restoration model. The mission of God since creation is to restore relationship with ourselves, our relationship with God, and our relationship with one another. So Raw helps us see that what happens in the Garden of Eden was more about original shame. In Genesis 3, remember Adam and Eve, what they did when God came looking for them after they ate the fruit? They were hiding, right? And when God asked them, why? Why are you hiding from me? They said, well, we feel naked. And then God asked Adam and Eve, who told you that you were naked? 
And then a few verses down, we see a very nurturing image of God as a seamstress, right? Sewing garments, covering the two humans to protect them from their shame. So Ross says, how different than the much later and opposite notion of God shaming people for all eternity in hell? Such a different image of God, right? The older tradition reveals the deeper mystery of transformation that God even uses our shame, our pain, to lead us closer to God's loving heart. But interestingly, Richard Raw doesn't just stop there. He goes one step further to help us realize that the starting point of our story with God is not sin or shame, but it is about goodness. It's about goodness. Remember how God declared everything good, especially human beings? Indeed, God said, very good. So I'm going to take you back to right at the beginning, the beginning of the story in Genesis 1. And I'm going to read this through with you. It's a little bit long, but I hope that it sinks in for you as we are reading it through together. Okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But the earth became chaos and emptiness, and darkness came over the face of the deep. Yet the Spirit of God was brooding over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Light be. And light was. God saw that light was good, and God separated light from darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. Evening came, and morning followed the first day. Then God said, Now make an expanse between the waters, separate water from water, and so it was. God made the expanse and separated the water above the expanse from the water below it. God called the expanse sky. Evening came and morning followed, the second day. Then God said, Waters under the sky be gathered into one place, and dry ground appear. And so it was. And God called the dry ground earth, and the gathering of the waters sea. And God saw that this was good. Then God said, Earth, Produce vegetation, plants that scatter their own seeds and every kind of fruit tree that bears fruit with its own seed in it. So it was. The earth brought forth every kind of plant that bears seed and every kind of fruit tree on earth that bears fruit with its seed in it. And God saw that this was good. Evening came and morning followed the third day. Then God said, now let there be lights in the expanse of the sky. Separate day from night, let them mark the signs and seasons, days and years, and serve as luminaries in the sky, shedding light on the earth. And so it was. God made the two great lights, the greater one to illumine the day, and the lesser to illumine the night. Then God made the stars as well, placing them in the expanse of the sky to shed light on the earth, to govern both day and night, and a separate light from darkness. And God saw that this was good. Evening came and morning followed the fourth day. God then said, Waters swarm with an abundance of living beings. Birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the sky, and so it was. God created great sea monsters and all sorts of swimming creatures with which the waters are filled. 
and all kinds of birds. And God saw that this was good and blessed them, saying, Bear fruit, increase your numbers, and fill the waters of the sea. Birds abound on the earth. Evening came, and morning followed the fifth day. God then said, Wait, huh? This is it. Then, then God said, Earth, bring forth all kinds of living soul, cattle, things that crawl, and wild animals of all kinds. So it was. God made all kinds of wild animals and cattle and everything that crawls on the ground. And God saw that this was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image to be like us. Let them be stewards of the fish in the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, the wild animals, and everything that crawls on the ground. Humankind was created as God's reflection. In the divine image, God created them. Female and male, God made them. God blessed them and said, Bear fruit, increase your numbers and fill the earth and be responsible for it. Watch over the fish of the sea the birds of the air, and all the living things on the earth. Watch over all the living things on the earth. God then told them, Look, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit carries its seed inside itself, they will be your food. And to all the animals of the earth, and the birds of the air, and things that crawl on the ground, everything that has a living soul in it, I give all the green plants for food. And so it was. God looked at all of this creation and proclaimed that this was good. Very good. Evening came. Morning followed. The sixth day. Ross says the Christian story, this Christian storyline must start with a positive, overarching vision for humanity and for history. Or it will never get beyond the primitive exclusionary and fear-based stages of most early human development. And by and large, this is where we still are. Still fear-based, still exclusionary, right? We will be unable to have a solid experience of our own goodness and holiness unless we allow ourselves to be led to the mystical level. We must first encounter and experience God's original blessing, God's choosing, God's loving of us. If you start with original sin or shame, normally the pit is so deep, you never get out of it. And this is why more and more the modern world resents Christianity, as any child would understandably resent a foundationally rejecting parent. All the good theology in the world is not strong enough to overcome bad psychology and anthropology. Some reformers actually thought of human nature as a pile of manure covered over with Christ, or of human beings as totally depraved. I'm afraid that this has become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Let's try preaching original blessing, original goodness, and see if that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy instead. This, I believe, is the best way to approach God wholeheartedly. With the right sense of balance, understanding our potential for good, and also our propensity for sin. Please don't misunderstand, okay? I'm not trying to sweep sin under the carpet and say that, oh, it's okay, we are all good, right? As Francis Buffett says, 
Sin is a human propensity to mess things up. And we all know how and when we have messed things up, both for ourselves and for others. Martin Luther describes sin as the self being curved in on self without a thought for God or neighbour. And we all have been guilty of that. But what I want to convey to you today is that while we do have a propensity for sin, we also have an immense potential for good. And we know this because this is how God created us in the beginning, in God's very own image. So let me ask you, earlier on you shared about how the concept of original sin shaped your concept of God and yourself. So now that you've kind of heard some of these things, how does the concept of original goodness, as you look at it from the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1, how does the concept of original goodness change the way you think about God and yourself? Does it? Maybe it doesn't, right? And if it does, how does it change the way you think about God and yourself? I love it. God's goodness resides within me. Yes, indeed. I have superpowers. Sure, absolutely. Right? The Spirit of God resides in all of us. And we are given grace and empowered and, and in ways that more than we can imagine. It's more hopeful. Yeah? It's how God created us, us to be and who we originally are. That we are diamonds in the rough and we need Christ's redemption. Yes, we still need we are like diamonds in the rough, but we still need to work through uh, and allow God to work through redemption in us. It enhances my self-efficacy. I want to do good. Yes, because then you realize that you do have potential for good, that you're not just totally depraved and you didn't just come from that space, but that there's both in you. We can make the world a better place. Yes, and I hope that we do. Like what uh, Wendy prayed about today, our world is going through global boiling. And we are meant to take care of this world. God, right from the beginning, said, watch over this world, watch over all creation. But we have done such a bad job of it. We can do better. Our potential to do good outweighs our potential to sin. With the help of the Holy Spirit, yes. When I received the first love from our parents when I was a baby, yeah, it is very similar, right? To be loved and embraced and accepted just as you are. God still loves us. God is for me. Superpowers like the ability to partner with God to restore beauty and perfection to this world, yes. Because God loves me, I can love others and love myself to become the hands of God in this life, yes. It's never too late to change. Mm -hmm. All has been prepared and given to us to have a life of goodness, yes. A reminder, a reminder to tap into and feed my inner goodness. Yes. Depends on what we feed, right? Partnership with God to do good things on earth. Yes. That's right from the beginning what God has invited us to do. I'm blessed regardless of my experience and circumstances, and I'm God's blessing too for creation. Yes. You are God's blessing for creation, for this world. Absolutely. It all started from goodness until we choose to sin. Yeah. How we see others, all are made in the image of God. All have value, all have worth, absolutely. 
And that's why we constantly tell you, right? First, realize everyone's equal, equally beloved, equally worthy, right? That we're not entirely depraved. We can repent, yeah? And this is why Christ told us to wake up to our original goodness. We have compassion, right? I hope so. Original acceptance instead of the lie of original rejection. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all this. This is just beautiful. I like what Danielle Schroyer wrote about this issue. And she has this book that she wrote called Putting Sin in Its Rightful Place, right? Original Blessing. She said, sin is not the primary thing that is true about us. Before we are anything else, we are made in God's image. And we are made to reflect the image in the way we live. Before scripture tells us anything else about ourselves, it tells us we are good. And I think that's because that's the way God intended it. When we ground ourselves in the fact that God created us good, we are capable of confronting all the other things that are true about us, even the difficult things. Love is tremendously healing. May you always remember that you were made in God's own image. And before anything else, God proclaimed you good. Yes, you have a propensity for sin, but you also have immense potential for good. May God's grace, which is rooted in God's nature as love, be more than sufficient for us as we cooperate with the Spirit of God towards us being transformed into Christ's likeness. Amen. Let us prepare our hearts for a time of communion. We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we are not physically together. The table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. Good Shepherd, we take your care for granted. In the midst of your many blessings, we complain of not having enough. In the presence of danger, we fail to trust in your abiding love. When you set a table before us, we turn aside from you. Call us back into your fold and help us. Trust your caring presence and provision that our actions may proclaim your truth. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. God forgives our failures and calls us back into the flock. Loving God, our Good Shepherd, we are the sheep of your pasture. You know us by name. We offer grateful thanks for your loving care. Open our hearts and minds to the guiding of your Spirit in our lives. Lead us in right paths that, that we, we may serve, serve you in truth and, and action. action. Amen. God prepares the table for us, offering us a feast of abundant love. Our cups overflow with the bounty of grace, for our shepherd knows us no one else can. 
restoring our souls, healing our brokenness, nourishing us with bread and cup for the life of ministry. We remember how Jesus, our shepherd, took bread and after giving thanks, broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. May I invite the stewards to help distribute the elements?
Come to the table and feast with the shepherd. Let us partake of these communion elements together with thanksgiving. May I invite you to stand, embody your spirit for the prayer of communion. Together, God, God of love, you abide with us. Your loving presence steals us. You provide us with all that we need in abundance. Help us love one another in truth and action. Help us give of ourselves to those in need. Help us care for the others the way our shepherd cares for us. May our lives reflect our wholehearted trust in our shepherd's everlasting love and care. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Pastor Pauline, for the message. Actually, uh, Last Sunday, four of us were playing an entertainment game that keeps our mind active. And we also kind of had this conversation as we shared about like, you know, the state of the world with the Me Too action, with the gun violence in America, with everything. And then we touched on the topic on 人之初性本善, or is it 人之初性本恶? Meaning that inherently, are humans good or bad in the beginning? And ultimately, I think that it's very difficult to make a decision. I guess it sways depending on what the mood of the day is. But I, just, but I shared with the group of them an Oscar Wilde quote, which says that the only difference between the saint and the sinner is that every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. I do think that with every thought that we come up with, with every action that we choose to do, it's a choice that we make for ourselves whether we want to do good or evil. And yeah, the potential for both is within us. So as we go ahead with our lives uh, throughout the week, uh, may we consistently opt to choose good. I think that's where our faith in God actually truly comes uh, to life in us. So I'd like to welcome all of you once again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for first realize everyone's equal. If you are new with us, if you are new with us, yes, if you are new with us or not so new with us and you like to get to know, a lot, uh, know us better about uh, what does FCC stand for, what's uh, FCC's theology, what's FCC's uh, organization structure and all those, you may leave your details at fcc.ly slash welcome. Every month, we actually have a newcomers meeting for you to talk with our pastors and some of our leaders. Uh, this month, the newcomers meeting will be on 27th of August, immediately after service. If you are interested to join this, you may join online or on-site. Of course, we prefer to see you face-to-face. -face. You may send an email to info at freecomchurch.org uh, to join this month's newcomers meeting. Now we have come to the collection segment of the service. Uh, you may know that FCC is actually an independent church and all our activities and all our services can only be conducted through the giving, the generous giving of 
you guys and friends of FCC. So if you'd like to give, you may give by two ways uh, for the two funds available, the FCC General Fund and the FCC Building Fund. You may give by PayNow by scanning the QR codes or you may give by credit card at freecomchurch.asia. Please note that uh, Give.Asia actually charges a 1.5% platform fee and all giving through Give.Asia only goes through the FCC General Fund. Uh, for those on site, you would like to give by dropping something into the collection bag, uh, you may raise your hands later. Uh, but let us now pray and give thanks. God, indeed we thank you for you creating us in your image. That, you know, we are not a pile of manure covered by Christ. But we are made in your likeness. But social conditioning or what we have experienced in the world may have dulled this likeness in you. God, we continue to pray that through our faith journey with you to always quieten ourselves to be able to hear you, to be able to hear your voice in our lives in order to know what you want us to do. God, FCC, it's a very special church in Singapore, for we are the only church that is out and proud, proclaiming that you love us regardless. Regardless of our sexuality, regardless of our gender identity, regardless of our social status, we know that it's because you love us first. Therefore, we can love others as you loved us. As we continue to grow this church, may we be faithful and obedient to your calling that more people will know your love and not be rejected by the religious community out there. In Jesus' most precious name we pray and give thanks. Amen. So if you'd like to drop something into the offering bag, the stewards will go to you now. Okay, now uh, we come to the announcements for this Sunday. Uh, FCC runs a membership uh, service two, twice a year, once during Easter and once during our anniversary service. So if you've been with us for a while and is considering to join us for a member, please register fcc.ly slash membership. The closing date for registering for membership is 31st of August 2023. TMART is back. Okay, TMART is our initiative, our ministry to the transgender people uh, in the community that may be uh, ostracized and then uh, at the. So they may not be able to have jobs and they might need help in some of their livings. So TMART actually is just to support them. There are actually two options. One is a group buy donation option. You can pick the items from the links below and then someone will contact you for payment. You may also uh, donate via cash and then so that some people will actually pick up the items for you. Uh, more info on how you can donate, you can find it at fcc.ly slash t-mart. Closing date for collection is 27th of August uh, and then the delivery date will be 3rd of September. If you have any questions, you may WhatsApp Kin at the number listed. Okay, every time I see Chinese, then I have to take a, <laughs> take a step back. Okay, uh, this is actually... Uh, it, something that the Mandarin Ministry wants to do to talk about the 
Samaritan Woman at the Well. So if you're interested to learn something about Samaritan Woman at the Well, it's actually on 22nd of August, FCC from 8 to 10 p.m. Uh,这个是今年中文团体会呈现的一个耶稣的教导的信仰观，是从约翰福音第四章雅可井旁的撒玛利亚妇人。所以如果你要参加这个节目的话，你就直接不需要提前登记，你只你只是需要直接在八月
to come into fullness of your likeness so that we may be the stewards you have called us to be. We may be your co-creators for a world of justice, peace, love, compassion, a world where you have declared this is good. So good people of God, go forth knowing your goodness, aware of your goodness, so you may be a blessing to the world. Go now in the love of God always. Amen. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. We look forward to seeing you next week.